0: My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we used in class. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, and welcome to Our Sunday School. I'm glad you're able to join us this morning. If you got your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And uh, Lord willing, we'll begin to wrap up Mark chapter 10 this week and uh, perhaps even finish it next week. So I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, we're going to start this morning with uh, welcoming some folks that we've, uh, we've seen log on so far. So Jessica Miller's got nearly a room full in room 206. So hello to the gang in 206. Uh, we've got the, uh, the barbers are with us. The, uh, Barry's got his man cave up and running. Uh, the Johnsons, the Arnolds. Uh, let's see who else we've got in 206. We've got Bobby, uh, the Ayers, David Reed, uh, the Velosins are on, the Archers are on, the McGarveys are also in 206. Miss Hopper's here this morning. Good morning, Miss Hopper. And uh, the Landers, Miss Miller from Oak Ridge. Hello, hello. And uh, Albert's no words yet, just thumbs up. So that's good. Uh, good news all around there. So, and I've got uh, Julie and Caleb uh, in our. Uh, big bedroom uh, on the other side of the house, and uh, I'm here in my office, so uh, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I look forward to the day when I can do this in person again soon. Hopefully that's uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, So if you got your your Bibles, uh, we'll take a look at uh, Mark chapter 10 this morning. Uh, If you want to get today's handout, I would strongly encourage you to do that. You can head over to OurSundaySchool.com and uh, grab the handout for this morning's lesson. It's uh, week 104 in our series in Mark. And uh, at the current rate, we've probably got 14, 16 months left, imagine so-ish in Mark. So uh, a little over the halfway mark. Sorry, I've been texting Dave Barber this morning, so it's just, it's going to happen sometimes today. But uh, we start each week with looking at uh, the question, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? And uh, I hope that there is an active work. And I hope that you are aware of that active work. And it is a beautiful thing to be moved and communicated with by God. And I hope you acknowledge and see that. And uh, so let's read uh, Mark chapter 10 this morning. Mark chapter 10. And he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan. And crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And he answered them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female." And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant, and said to them, Let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms, and blessed them, laying his hands on them. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands, with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus was walking ahead of them, and they were amazed. And those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was about to happen to him saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. And Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized, but to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the 10 heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as I mentioned a few minutes ago, if you haven't already gone to OurSundaySchool.com and gotten your copy of this morning's handout, I would encourage you to do that. Uh, also, you'll need a copy of Mark's Gospel. And I'm uh, going to make a reference this morning to some other Gospels, I believe. Uh, I don't know that we're going to go there. probably won't have uh, time to get into that. But uh, good morning to a couple of the folks that are with us today. So, uh, hey, Cheryl, good morning. Good to have you this morning. Uh, Stephen Archer. So we've got two generations of archers. That's fantastic. Uh, The the cliques are here. Uh, The barbers are here. Margie's commenting on happy belated birthday McClure. Did I see Ray? I didn't see Ray this morning. Well, happy belated birthday, Ray McClure, anyway. Uh, I loved what he did with his cake. If you didn't see this picture on Facebook, it was hilarious. His actual age... And then he inverted the two numbers and how he's felt after 2020, uh, which I think quite a few of us can relate to. So that was pretty uh, insightful observation there. And then the Greggs. Uh, So good morning to my friends from North Carolina. Uh, It's good to have you guys with us. So if you got your handout, we're on page uh, 348 of the handout. This is getting ridiculous. Um, so page 348, and this is before I go back and kind of beef up the first few chapters with some information that I've found. So we'll, we'll probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of 600 pages long in Mark. Uh, so that'll be fun. So our, uh, our question that we ask before we kind of look at the text itself uh, is are there any literary or structural observations? So when you look at Mark chapter 10, so if you've got a, a copy of the entire thing in front of you, uh, just take a look for a second. So the, the Pharisees came up at the beginning of 10, and ask him about this teaching about divorce. And, and they really show their blindness. I would, I would call it uh, willful blindness toward who Jesus is and his authority. And then the section on let the children come to me, the disciples are illustrating their blindness really relative to who should have access to Jesus. And, and the answer is everybody. Uh, the rich young man is blind to his own sin and his own uh, greed in his heart. Uh, The disciples are blind to the proper doctrine that money does not buy you access into heaven. Uh, When Jesus is teaching this concept about He's going to Jerusalem and He's going to be uh, tortured and He's going to be beaten, He's going to be spit on, He's going to be mocked, and He's going to be scourged, and He's going to have all these things happen to Him, and then He's going to be killed and rise again. The fact that He has to say this three times in Mark, which kind of implies it's probably more than three times, illustrates the disciples are really blind to the message that Jesus is preaching. Uh, the request of James and John, and we, we actually learned in other uh, Gospels that their mom was involved with this too, right? Uh, their, their request of Jesus, it illustrates to, uh, to us that they're blind to the authority that God the Father has granted to the Son. And uh, it was not in Jesus' power to grant this particular wish that they came up with. Uh, and then we get to Blind Bartimaeus, which I think is a perfect bookend for Mark chapter ten, who is literally blind and asks the one who can give sight to the blind to restore his his sight and uh, and he does. And we see really, quite frankly the the only proper response to being confronted with who Jesus is in Mark's Gospel. And that is, the reality of following Jesus Christ afterward, which I think is a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. So uh, just want to be aware of that. Uh, so my literary or structural observation at the beginning of Mark chapter 10 is blind, 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 seeing, <laughs> which I think is a kind of the pattern to Mark uh, chapter 10. So let's jump in, uh, starting with verse 46 this morning, uh, and we'll go until we run out of time, and then we'll pick up Lord willing next week. All right, verse 46, and they, so who's the they? This is Jesus and the disciples. They came to Jericho. So we've got a new new city that's being mentioned in uh, this gospel at this point. So let's take a look at a map real quick. Uh, And on this map, if you look at the bottom of this map, you'll see the Dead Sea. So this is the body of water in the middle at the uh, south end of this map. And just to the west of the top of the Dead Sea, you see Jerusalem, just to the north of the top of the Dead Sea, you see Jericho. Uh, so we have we started to make this transition back in chapter eight and nine that we're headed toward Jerusalem. You know Jesus had been ministering in the northern part of Israel, and uh, the middle part of Israel, and he is making his way to Jerusalem. So we are shockingly close to Jerusalem at this point. So just want you to be aware of of where we are now. Mark's gospel says, "And they came to Jerusalem. They came to Jericho, and at as he was leaving Jericho. So he really doesn't didn't get into anything that happens in Jericho. But we know from other Gospels that uh, there are some things that happen in Jericho. And uh, a wee little man is addressed in Jericho, and his story shows up. So if you're familiar with Sunday school, uh, stories when you're a kid, you know that uh, this is about Zacchaeus, right? So we meet Zacchaeus in Jericho. So some interesting things happen. And I just want to illustrate one more time that one of the beauty, uh, one of the beautiful things about having four different gospels is getting these different perspectives and focus areas. And some things are skipped over entirely in some gospels, and some things are really fleshed out and we get to see much more of them. And I, I love that. Uh, I love that it, it kind of illustrates that there is space for the individual perspective about the story of Jesus. And I also love that there is not space for any conclusion other than He is the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Messiah, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the perfect sacrifice. He is the the prepared Passover Lamb. Uh, He is the coming one of Israel, and He is what the entire Old Testament pointed to. He is what we look back to. He is what we look forward to. So there is complete unanimity on who Jesus is, Within these four individual perspectives, and I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. So we get to verse forty-six, and they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, and a great crowd. So right, this is we, we are we're r- ramping down to the end of Jesus' ministry here, and what we see is that his popularity is immense. Everywhere he goes, there's massive crowds. We're actually going to see that in Jerusalem as well. So and it's a great crowd. Uh, Bartimaeus, and uh, one of the things that I love about Mark is that Mark is rarely the gospel that adds detail that the other gospels leave out, but this is the only gospel where we know this blind beggar's name. Uh, The other gospels, uh, one of them mentions two blind beggars, Uh, one of them mentions one blind beggar, but nobody else mentions Bartimaeus' name. And uh, I, I love that even, even in the hurried up, rushed gospel, there is space for Jesus recognizing the individual, that people matter, that individuals matter. It's a beautiful thing. So, Bartimaeus' name, I want to teach you something about uh, Greek names. Uh, I'm sorry, about uh, Hebrew names. Um, he, was, he was not a Gentile, he was a Jew. Uh, but if you look at the definition there, I think I've highlighted the uh, Bar Timaeus. Uh, the bar means son of, and Timaeus means Timaeus, right? That's his, his daddy's name. So super, super uninspired, uh, unoriginal naming conventions here. So whatever, uh, whatever your name is, just imagine your name had been son of and then your dad's name. Boy, that's interesting, huh? (laughs) Now, obviously this only works for a very small amount of your genealogical history. You can't just keep saying son of, son of, son. I mean, you know, this is, thats just it's going to get super awkward after a moment. Uh, And Bartimaeus' name, this isn't in your handout, uh, but Bartimaeus' name means son of uncleanness, which kind of makes you think that Timaeus' name would mean unclean. It's actually not what it means. We'll get to that in just a second. So, uh, Bartimaeus, uh, a blind beggar. Now blindness has already shown up in Mark's gospel. Uh, back in Mark 8, 22 and 23, Jesus has healed a blind man, right? This is the man that, that Jesus uh, forms. He spits in the ground and makes the mud and forms the eye. I mean, it's just all kinds of craziness, right? But he's already dealt with blindness. So this is just a, a curtain call relative to his miraculous power in this specific area. So Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, so you kind of you get the feeling like, oh, blind man's coming up to him. I bet something's about to happen, and yes, it does. Uh, so he's a beggar, so his, his function, his role that he plays in society is sitting by the road uh, begging for those that uh, walk by, and this is how he would earn his uh, living, uh, this is how he would earn enough to eat each particular day. So uh, he depended on his voice to call out to people, to invoke their mercy, their kindness, their compassion. Uh, This was the fact that he was uh, a grown man. The fact that he lived to be this old was uh, uh, illustrative that he was good enough with calling out people and getting people to engage with him, that uh, this was a skill set of his. So don't don't miss it. He actually had an interesting skill. So he's a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus. Now Timaeus is a Jewish name. He's an Israelite. And his name means precious or valuable. It means precious or valuable, and uh, and he names his son son of uncleanness, which you know, you could you could uh, wonder for years about the backstory behind that. Not going to do that, scripture doesn't tell us. Uh, but so he's the son of Timaeus, was sitting, and this is an imperfect, so this is something he'd been doing for a while. He's sitting by the roadside, so he's sitting by the roadside. This is where he is. Uh, Verse 47, and when he heard, when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, right? So it's Jesus of Nazareth. So let's go back to the map. We've mentioned another spot here. Uh, So Nazareth is going to be, if you look in the pink section up toward the top uh, section of the map, uh, Nazareth, where you see the word Galilee in uh, red, Nazareth is going to be immediately above the Galilee in red. So this this is not somebody that if, you, if your job is sitting by the road and pretty much being geographically immobile, this is not somebody you're going to have heard of unless this somebody is a big deal, right? So sometimes we, sometimes we just kind of gloss over things like this. That, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. No, no. The blind guy sitting by the road in a pretty good ways away, a city a pretty good ways away, has heard of him. And he may have even heard about what happened in Mark chapter 8, that there was another blind guy who walked up to Jesus blind but did not leave blind. So uh, we, we just want to be aware of, of geography and distance. Remember, I mean, this wasn't something that uh, Timaeus could have gotten an email from his buddy in Nazareth, like, hey, Jesus is a big deal. He's coming your way. Heads up. You know. This was word of mouth how everything would have traveled. So he got word that it was Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, he began... To cry out. Now, one of the things that I try to do when I'm reading the Bible is uh, I I don't do voices, right? I'm not trying to do voices. This is not the uh, there's a word for it. One of you guys will comment on it here in a minute. Uh, Where there's different actors that play different. uh, That's not what I'm trying to do. But when somebody says something is loud, I try to increase the volume. And the work. Uh, The word here is kradzo. Uh, It means to croak as a raven or to scream or to call aloud. Uh, And we have seen this word several times in Mark's gospel. Uh, In Mark 3 and 5, we see demons illustrating this word. So they scream and they cry out, right? In Mark 9, verse 24, let's flip over there for a second. Mark 9, 24 This is the um, dramatized reading. Thank you, Margie. That's exactly right. Oh, and uh, the McClure's are here. Yes, fantastic. Wonderful. Of course you are. You guys are wonderful. Um, Finishing up cooking breakfast. That sounds awesome. My oatmeal awaits after I finish the Sunday school. So the, uh, so in Mark 9, 20, uh, in the 20s here, so this is the, uh, the dad and the child who is possessed And, uh, Jesus says, uh, verse, uh, let's see starting 22 and it has been often cast him into the fire and water into water to destroy him. But if you, he's talking to Jesus, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Right. And Jesus said to him, if you can, it's like what in the world, all things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out, right? He sees an opportunity for for uh, redemption of his son here, to be, to be bought back from this demon. He cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And, and so I would just ask those of you that are uh, engaged in the reading of Scripture to not read the Bible like this. Um, J- verse 23, and Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes immediately. The father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that a crowd came run, come on, we can do better than this, right? I'm not saying we have to do, thank you, Margie dramatized readings, but when the text is clear about volume goes up and volume goes down. We should read the text that way. This is a, an accurate communication of the text itself. So we see this uh, word being used a couple of times in Mark's gospel in a good way. Here in Mark chapter 10, uh, there's another one in Mark 11, verse 9. So you look at verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 9. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! And, and really, you, you probably just have to say that one word and you know, oh, this is the entry into Jerusalem, right? Because this is the, the what we're all beating into our heads when we we're kids with the the leaves and the branches. and you're right? know, This is pretty pretty popular text. And then in verses uh, in chapter fifteen, I will say, uh, three, eleven, five, five, and five, seven were demonic. nine twenty six was demonic. Uh, nine twenty four was good, ten forty seven, ten forty eight, eleven, nine, those were all good. But fifteen, thirteen, and fifteen, fourteen are just evil. So this is Jesus uh, has been delivered over to Pilate. And uh, Pilate in verse uh, 11, again said to them, or verse 12, again said to them, the crowd here, then what shall I do with the man you call king of the Jews? And they cried out, they croaked out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted out all the more, crucify him. Just true, true evil here. So this word is, uh, we see this used in a lot of different settings. We see demons screaming this. We see a man uh, yelling out in faith. We see crowds chanting, crucify him. This was not a whisper, um, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. No, 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 no. He, He screamed out. This was... This was hope made audible, right? This is a beautiful cry out of faith in this one that he'd heard about and that he knew about, but he hadn't been near him yet. And Jesus came to town and everything changed. So he cries out and he says, Jesus, son of David. Now, Uh, David is, this is not the first time the word David has shown up in Mark's gospel. This is the first and only time that Jesus is referred to this way in Mark's gospel. Uh, and, And I think it's interesting that the blind beggar throws down with beautiful theology describing the lineage of Jesus Christ. Pharisees didn't do it. Scribes didn't do it. The disciples didn't do it. The blind beggar on the side of the road in Jericho did it. Wow. Talk about don't underestimate people because of their disability or because of their environment or because of their history. How often do we do this, right? We look at somebody and we go, no, they're probably not going to... Oh, God help us. God help us. What an, what an unbiblical way to use our eyes. So he says, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And this is not a question. This is a command. This is an imperative. This is a have mercy on me to show compassion. Uh, we see this word in 519 as well. Connected back to that story of the demon in chapter 5. Uh, so this, there's a, a similarity of, of the croaking and the compassion here. So he says, Have mercy on me. Have compassion on me. Like, stop and help, right? Don't just keep going. Engage. So, verse 48. And what we see in 48. Is very similar to what we saw the disciples doing back in uh, ten thirteen, uh, and when they were bringing children to Jesus that He might touch them, the disciples rebuked them. Right. So Jesus is already, He's already been indignant and rebuked the disciples back. He's clarified, don't do that. So in verse forty-eight, we see that this was a common thing that when when we view the person we're supposed to protect, we limit access. Look at verse 48. And many rebuked. This is imperfect. This has been happening for a bit. They rebuked him, the Bartimaeus, telling him to be silent. Telling him to be silent. You might be thinking, well, what is, like, what's... What's that about? We'll flip back over to Mark four thirty nine. What does this word silent mean? I'll show you how it's used. It's used several different ways. Let's go to 3, 4 first. <clears throat> so in chapter 3, verse 4, And Jesus said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they... These are the folks in the synagogue here, were silent. So, this word silent was in response to a question that Jesus asked. It's also in response to a question in 934 and 1461. But in 439, it's used differently. 439, and he, Jesus, awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea, and uh, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. There was a settling of things. If you look at the definition, it's to be dumb, but not deaf, and to be calm. So think about this. This man has this disability. He cannot see. And what do they tell him to do? They tell him to shut up. They tell him not to use what he has that he can use. God help us when we are this insensitive to those that need help, and this insensitive to anybody that has that is walking through life with pain, disability, uh, challenges like this. This is just this is just mean, just straight up mean, right? So they rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But <laughs> I love Bartimaeus. But he cried out. All the more. Like, ah, I'm just going to ramp it up, right? So if you read this text out loud to kids or adults or anybody, make sure you read the second time that he says, Son of David, have mercy on me, a lot louder than you did the first time. Because he just cranked it up, right? He's trying to find 11 here. So he cries out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And this is the same word here. It's, it's the, the mercy, Eleo. Uh, To have or show compassion. This is an imperative. It's a command that he's giving. And this is have mercy on me. He's getting real personal here, right? Um, He's very direct. He's very clear. And then verse 49. We'll probably get halfway through 49 today. We'll see. Uh, And Jesus stopped. Now remember, there's a great crowd around him. Great crowds are not quiet. Great crowds are noisy. Great crowds are boisterous. Great crowds uh, are bumping into people, right? This is not generally an orderly procession. But Jesus is listening for the one in the middle of the many. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So Jesus stopped. His, His path toward Jerusalem stopped for one man that was crying out personally to Jesus. And this is a beautiful illustration of what God does when we cry out personally to Him. He engages. You know, the Old Testament is fear filled with quotes of, uh, incline your ear, O God, unto us, hear us, O God, listen to us, hear our cry, we cry out, we ask, we beg, we pray. and what does God do? He engages. He stops and he listens, right? So what does Jesus do? He's God. He engages. He stops. He listens. He says, call him. This word call is an imperative. It's uh, The idea of uh, we are absolutely, completely, and totally, you are going to do this. Call him. It's actually the same word that he called his disciples with in Mark nine thirty-five. So, we're continuing on in verse 49. And they called. Who'd they call? Look at the text. Who'd they call? Does it say Bartimaeus? They called the blind man. Because to the crowd, he was just the blind man. They called the blind man saying, present active participle, they said it several times, or it was said several times to him, take heart, a present active imperative. This crowd transitions so quickly from shut up, be quiet, don't bother him, this kind of an idea, to uh, take heart, get up, these present active imperatives. Keep doing this. Obey this. Obey this. Obey this. Have courage. The fickle nature of the crowd. (laughs) If you want to learn about celebrity, you just spend some time in the Gospels, right? Because celebrity culture will get you crucified. This is the same word, though, this word for take heart that Jesus used in uh, Mark 6.50. Uh, This is, he's out walking on the water, right? He's doing Jesus things. For they saw him, they all saw him and were terrified, but he immediately spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. The same word for take heart, this have courage. And then they also told him to get up. Now there's three definitions for the word get up. Now let's, let's take a look at these for a second. So the first is to waken. So he obviously wasn't asleep. This is not one that applies here. Uh, The second is to rouse from sleep or from sitting or lying. That feels good. And the third is to rouse from, uh, from obscurity or inactivity or ruins or non-existence. And I would argue in the eyes of the crowd, Bartimaeus does this as well. He is now no longer this obscure blind guy that you give some bread to when you pass by. He's somebody that Jesus has called. And this is going to change everything in his life and I would imagine in others' lives as well. It says, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And what did Bartimaeus ask for? He asked for, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus calls him individually. Because that word him, when Jesus says call him, Is a singular masculine accusative. Talking about one guy. There he is, right there. He is calling you. I can't think of a better way to end any lesson about any topic than with the words, He is calling you. I don't know what you're faith background is, I don't know what your church background is, I don't know what your experience with religion or with God or with the person and work of Jesus Christ, but Jesus is calling you personally. There's a very universal nature to the gospel call, but there's also a very personal nature to the gospel call, that Jesus lived a perfect life. So that you don't have to. He died a perfect death. So that you don't have to. And he rose a perfect resurrection. Like you will if you repent and believe in him. So that we can participate with him. In life. And in resurrection. It's an amazing thing. It is great news. But don't forget. He is calling you. So we'll stop there today and Lord willing, we'll come back next week and uh, finish up chapter 10. We'll start back with verse 50, Uh, but don't forget our homework. Our homework each week is to pray for help in understanding Mark, to hear Mark multiple times, to think about Mark, to talk with somebody about Mark, to share your insights about Mark, and then to invite both a member and a non-member. So uh, with that, we'll end our lesson there. Uh, I don't want to forget about our prayer time. So if you have... A couple of minutes to write in the comments any prayer requests that you have we'd love to engage and pray with those Uh, pray for somebody that's not with you and then i would ask you to go to a campus or online somewhere today and uh, worship with us so that we can celebrate this one who has called us personally this is good news so i love you guys can't wait to see you Uh, pray for you every single day And uh, grace and peace to you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, our YouTube channel, and our weekly email. You can do all of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.